This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're live. Um, Adam Leach joining us from Congdon's Donuts, Congdon's After Dark, and everything fantasy baseball related. Uh, we'll we'll get to in just a little bit here, but uh, welcome back for another fireside chat here. Um, Maddie, anything you took away from the weekend before we we give Adam the microphone here to to wax poetic? You know was it felt like another another snoozer to me in terms of the NFL. And I'm and I'm admittedly not in as many leagues as I thought I would be in, meaning like to, for the playoff hunt. So you know, we're just trying to build a million dollar lineup, Gibby. That's my primary focus. From there, I don't really care what happens at this point. I'm locked in. I want to take us from being the nine dollar boys to at least fifteen, twenty dollars by the end of the year. And then we'll just incrementally grow until we are the Millie boys. So no, I don't have anything exciting. It was another kind of like blah. There's no no one scoring. Everybody's hurt. Just get me to the Super Bowl. Just fast forward me. Adam, um, before we dive in, we want to talk a little bit um, about the restaurant, about the, the food truck part, um, everything atro- across the board. But uh, you're a big sports fan. Anything that you, you took away from the weekend? No, it's funny. I actually uh, I was listening to one of your podcasts recently, and I heard you guys putting together a uh, – a DraftKings lineup. I knew, I hadn't actually done it in a while. So I went ahead and did one um, the next week and I hit on the double stack with Justin Fields and mm. Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got, I didn't win, obviously. I think I missed my running backs there. So this week I was trying to, I wasn't going to use Fields again because he got too expensive and I wanted to spend it elsewhere. So I went for, uh, the Jaguars KC game. And that mm-hmm. didn't quite work out the way I thought. Um, but that's the way it goes. Sometimes it's, it's DraftKings is a lot of fun, but you can waste a lot of money. Just, oh, dumping, yeah. just well, yeah. overthink it. Then you change the lineup over and over again. And that Detroit Miami game, when I double stacked it, I took out Cole Komet the last second and put in Foster, whatever from Oakland. Burrow. Yeah. And yep. Komet had two touchdowns and 
That's that's uh, I, I affectionately call that process. That's the end of the process of the lineup building where you, it's a it's a tinker stinker. So you're usually on the on the can and you've got nothing to do. You pull open the app and you just start, that's precisely what you, happened. You, yeah, you just start big braining that like all these wild ideas that the game and then you end up taking out all the guys that you should have had and then you complain to your buddies that you blew it. I I almost I make a habit out of it. The uh, the stinker tinker is a tough one to avoid. It's it's just it draws you in. It's like a tractor beam. Yeah, cool. it was a lot of fun. This week I couldn't get away with uh, without doing a lineup though, just because with the pats off, it's you kind of yeah. just you want yourself. to stay engaged in the rest of the games, yeah, too, or, or have some stake in it. Yeah, no, I yeah. I get it. So, um, I'm I'm really excited. Um, thank you for joining. We mm. I have been eating Congdon's donuts since I my guess is probably 1983 or 1984. Uh-huh. Um. You guys have been around forever. My family's always gone up to Drake's Island. My grandfather had a house there. He lived in Watertown. I don't, you know, I don't know the specifics of the finances or anything, but um, got bought a house early on before Drake's Island had more than one road. I think it was probably a dirt road. And uh, and you guys have been around since 1955, I believe. Is that accurate? Like, if you don't mind giving us, embelling us embellishing us in a little bit of the story of how Congdon started, like how you got to where you are today. And and we'll jump in with a couple of questions too, I'm sure. Yeah. So it was my, um, so in 1955, Nana Congdon, that's where it came from. My, um, okay. there's no one actually in my immediate family named Congdon anymore. Um, he, her, his, uh, Nana Congdon's son-in-law, her Brooks was my, um, grandmother's brother. Um, so they, uh, Anna Condon started this actually selling it from a garage in Kenny bunk, actually in the forties. Uh, and then they developed, then they started Condon's where it sits now in 1955. Then my, um, so Herb who took it over my grandmother's yeah. brother took it over, um, from Nana Condon. And then in 1965, they died in a plane crash. Um, and then that basically, um, it was kind of a crazy set of events because my grandmother, um, and my grandfather took over Congdon's, but they also took on Herb and, uh, Bev's, um, three children. So all of a sudden my, my grandparents, um, Eleanor and Dick, they brought in, they had, uh, three kids of their own and all of a sudden they had double double the kids and a business they had to run yeah. um, so it was kind of crazy for a while but they ended up um, settling in it was a lot of uh, initially it was a lot of seafood the donuts were sort of an afterthought it was just one okay. of those yeah. you know you drive down route one there's always a seafood place and classic they had a lot of seafood it was just a takeout um, window it didn't have a drive-through or even eat in at that point um, but then my dad took it over in the eighties, probably around this time, time you started eating there. Gibby. <laughs> yep. um, oh, those glazed donuts. Yeah. <laughs> that was four years old. <laughs> we had like a propane tank explosion in the late eighties and the whole place just blew up. So absolutely oh, really? it. nothing, no one got hurt, but, um, it actually built, we, um, that's how the Congdon's that's there today got established um with a restaurant inside of it um so 
you know, it's been sort of steady. It was the same type of thing for a long time. We had the restaurant, we had donuts, drive-thru came in. Um, geez, when was that? It was 20 years ago or so. Um, but it was, um, it really started to blow up a few years ago, really. It was, um, I don't even know what happened, but I think the collective appreciation of donuts just happened to just explode all at once. And we had a good reputation and I think probably helped that the internet came around, really turned into a thing that became part of marketing. And then all of a sudden people really like to stand in lines and that, <laughs> um, <laughs> that became such a big thing. Like it's um, you know, people really don't mind anymore standing in lines if they're getting wow. something that they love. So um, word of mouth became a lot easier and, you know, our little, we never really had much marketing. So it was our, you know, subtle efforts towards quality just started to uh, pay off in the long run. Well, I always, I always felt like, okay, when is the Guy Fieri uh, diners, drive-ins and dives coming to <laughs> highlight oh. Congdon's. Um, Went to the main diner. He drove right by us. <laughs> is there a we're gonna, once we get guy on we're gonna have to ask him how that came to be and we're gonna have to drive him back up there ourselves <laughs> i think he avoids breakfast places he doesn't like eggs have you heard that it's kind of i weird. have heard that actually yeah <laughs> um so yeah i i was thinking a little bit too and and you mentioned um a little bit about like word of mouth etc like you guys have gotten some really good press and i think some of that with the internet too like there are more and more food bloggers out there now that are like highlighting here's a special place, here's something. And, and I think, I think um, everyone's kind of like, this feels like home or feels like something I had when I was younger. Right. And, um, and you guys have always had a, a really good reputation for service and, and, you know, support of the community too. So I think it's, it's really easy for, um, patrons to say like, okay, I, I really don't mind spending money here because, uh, they, they've been great for the community. So, um, I know we didn't talk about this in the green room, but, um, but you guys have done a, a lot community wise. And, and I think there have been a few things, and I don't know if you mind touching on like a couple of special things or, or things that are close to the family's, you know, heart that, that you guys wanted to, you know, talk about. Yeah. I mean, my family's been in Wells, um, forever, you know, my grandparents grew up in Kennebunk and, uh, I grew up in Wells and basically anything that touches our community, we try to get involved in on some level. And today we had, we were giving out, um, uh, we worked with the junior high and that's just something like the third year. I don't want, I don't want to, um, misspeak, but it's something 20, I think 20 something plus years of, giving turkey dinners to seniors. Um, today, we, we hand them out through the drive-thru. Um, and it was just great because we get a bunch, we get like 50 eighth graders that come and help out. And they scoop and they, we did 400 meals today and just went and got them through the drive-thru. But it's one of those things that we've just, um, we've really embraced because the community just embraces us. And, um, you know, COVID was such a crazy time, but, you know, we, we found ways to try to give back to the community that would continue to give back to us. Um, you know, we did the toilet paper drive. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, you, I remember you bought a dozen donuts, you got to roll a toilet paper. Um, but that turned into a thing where people were actually bringing in toilet paper to give out 
Yeah. So we turned it into like it wasn't it wasn't that special lasted a weekend and it ended up just being like a it became like a depot for people to bring in items that they wanted to distribute to people. And we just we give it up to pantries or people who came by if they wanted it, if they needed anything, they just had to come by and ask. So, you know, it's one of those things that it sort of naturally develops. My dad is a, a big softy. Like he's uh I worked for him when I was uh, I was 10 years old. I'm still working for him now and I'm 42. Um, but it's one of those things. And he fired me, I think, six times. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Uh, yeah. Um, apparently. Did he call you into the office? <laughs> no, no. He just said, get the hell out. And I was like, I, fine. I don't want to be here anyway. So, and that conversation went back and forth. Probably It was mostly through my teenage years. But uh, he always tried to get me back because I was uh, I was his best worker, too. So <laughs> um, <laughs> you only have so many people that wake up at. 2 a.m. and don't make Well, that's those. what I wonder. Like, what time was he getting you up when you were 10 years old? Oh, man. And that was back when it was fun. And I sort of, I, like, I thought it was great that I was able to go in and work and do all these things. Uh, and eventually that wore off, you know, when you're doing, yeah. you know, 50, 60 hours or something, it's sort of wears thin. But besides that, he was actually a great person to work for, for everyone else. Um, but <laughs> he's uh he's a big softy and he's basically will warm up to any sort of um, issue that's hurting anybody and um, find a way to help. And, you know, we, we make it a point to just give back to the people who are always giving back to us. And it's just, it's important. Everything we do, we made it part of Congdon's after dark and we've um, uh, we, do some other things behind the scenes too. All of our actually donuts that we don't use go to um, food pantries in Maine too. That's really um, cool. So yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunities to give now, and um, and there's a need more than ever. So I think we just we've like I said, we're just trying to do our part. You so, said it too. You said earlier. You know a lot of the success that you found is obviously because you all have built this and you've got great you know, you've got a great scenario, you've got great food, but I think the community that you've built and how you sort of like ingratiated yourself into the community and everybody wants to sort of reciprocate that back and forth that you guys, it sounds like you're just an institution now. So it's, it's really cool. Like you get that opportunity, but it's like, it's reciprocated throughout the community, which is really nice. You guys just kind of, you are a part of the community, which is really cool. Cause I think a lot of um, businesses try to achieve that and you really can't, you have to, it has to be organic. You can't just like force that. Absolutely. And you know, the thing is, too, it's, there's a seasonal community here, too, that, yeah, you know, tourists get, um, you know, some crap when they're here. But honestly, there's people who have been coming to Wells and Gunquit and just our general area for decades. Yeah, And they come and they don't, might not stay in the same spot, but they always go back to the places that they remember as their children. And they rent houses and they bring everyone there and they all go back and um, they pick up a dozen donuts and um, they... You know, we've tried to keep everything the same way. The flavors are the same. The size of the donuts are the same. The ingredients are pretty much the same. Yep. The flavors, you know, we've, um, it's just, uh, there's a nostalgia to it, but there's also, there's a real appreciation for consistency, especially these days when, you know, there's so much, um, so much crap out there that you don't actually need or want to consume yeah. and some things are just cleverly marketed and that's never really been our way. And 
we sort of only in the last few years have sort of caught up in the marketing realm. Um, but yeah. even then, we're probably not doing enough there. But I, I think you guys are doing a ton. I mean, if if there's any testament, it's um, when my daughter wakes up on a Saturday morning and it's like, let's go get donuts for Sam and mommy. And uh, I'm like, okay. And it's 615. And, I'm, <laughs> and there's a line that I have zero problem waiting for 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and and like the service is still excellent. Like you're like, okay, well, this car is going to move forward. And it's it's worth every second of it, both for the experience and like the delight. Um, and, and that's what I would call it. Like, you know, when someone walks in, my family's been doing this since, like I said, like I was two years old. Some of my first memories, someone walks in with, a box of that Congdon's donuts, you get the smell, you know, it's fresh. It's not um, the purple and bright orange or pink and bright orange uh, letters on it. And, uh, and that I think you might've been alluding to earlier, (laughs) but, um, and it's spelled the correct way too with a G on the donut. Um, But it's, it's just a, it's a really, you know, fantastic experience that, that I think, um, you know, it, it's it's kind of like the bedrock of society in, in terms of like, this is what, you know, let's keep things simple. We talked last week with with a guy that goes out and, you know, hunts and big game and fishes and, and everything. And he's like, let's move away from some of the crap that we're doing with technology with, you know, and let's simplify, you know, our lifestyle as our generation. We're all about the same age. Like, I, so I think I think it's important to have those moments, and I think food is is something that has always brought families together, and um, and so anyway, I'm pivoting a little bit. <laughs> I went on a long little <laughs> diatribe. I'm Michael Scotting this one. Don't right. tell anybody, Gibby. Don't tell anybody. Just live, lean into it. It's beautiful. But, um, so Congdon's After Dark, yeah, came out <laughs> of you know the blue, um. And you don't know the half of it. Where did it start? Like, because you guys are like, then you look and you're like, okay, Boston Globe, like Portland Press Herald, um, Seacoast, you know, everyone is is writing articles about what's going on at Congdon's After Dark. So tell us a little bit about it and also where where you got started, the genesis of of everything. Yeah. So Congdon's After Dark is a um a food truck park in um that basically occurs in our parking lot um every well almost every day in the summer we're open from uh memorial day memorial day weekend we open we open weekends only initially for a few weeks and then we do and then we're there daily until labor day and then we do weekends again till um columbus indigenous indigenous people's day um but basically it's just a collection of food trucks that show up every night it it's a rotating um group of anywhere between 20 to 30 food trucks every night well it's not 20 to 30 every night it's 20 to 30 total but we usually have anywhere from six to ten every night um we've got we built out a patio and um, a beer garden so we've got um a lot of um great main beers we don't actually let in any other outside any outside beers other than main and a few domestics. Um, but it's just because Maine's got the best beers. So we don't feel like we need to go anywhere for it. So it's another way to sort of celebrate the local 
um, flavor. I do have to pause you for a second. This show is sponsored <laughs> by Sterling Street Brewery. We, 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 we'll find a way. We'll find a way to broker the only non-main. We'll make it happen. It'll be a, a quest for Gibby and I to see if we can get that. <laughs> Bert Capita, Adam. Oh, where are they? Sponsors. <laughs> they're good. They're good buddies of ours that opened up a brewery. It's in it's in Sterling, Mass. So it's down okay. down this way. Um, but it's funny, actually. One of the co-founders of it is um a buddy of ours who has a place in wells and he's almost every any time in the summer when he's up there i get a picture of him at condoms after dark so really? he's uh he's 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 in he's all in on your on your on the park for sure <laughs> all right, go well, on him. i didn't mean to interrupt you that's okay <laughs> tell, him to collab with the deal. tell him to collab with someone we'll, we'll sneak him in done <laughs> um we uh yeah so the origins are really um funny it's almost stupid actually uh so you we have the big so we have condens it's been on this sort of postage stamp for quite a while um but next door there's just this big open field and um we needed to lease the space but it was really expensive to lease the space it's a lot of empty property on route one so uh, my father um decided to lease it and he wanted to make money on the lot that he's leasing because otherwise it's just used for parking, which is great. But he said he wanted to, you know, make it revenue generating. So he bought a food truck. Um, and that, uh, we all thought he was crazy and we weren't wrong. Um, it was like a, it wasn't like a mobile food truck. It was like, a. if you've seen it, it's had a few different names. Now it's called Congdon street kitchen, but it looks like a trolley. Um, and ah. it basically can't move off site. It's hardwired in there now. I don't know how anyone ever used it to go, go from spot to spot because you actually have to take the fan off the top to move it. Um, oh. so it wasn't like real naturally, just I stuck it in the parking lot and like got some electricity out there. And he started selling burgers and hot dogs, and not a lot of people came. Um, but he had a couple of food trucks back that, um, or people he knew that had food trucks. One was a former waitress uh, at Condon, Cindy Neal, who runs What a Wrap. And the other um, was Tasting Maine, which is a seafood truck. Uh, Patty Owens ran that. And they both said they'd come and set up shop at Condon's for the summer. So they had three food trucks there. Um, not a lot of uh, effort to advertise. They like literally the marketing was having someone like my sister, Katie went by, like she had a sign and she was like, but on the side of the road, trying to get people to turn in like, that was the <laughs> with the signs that they're winging, like the tax guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that was before the spinning thing got really popular. <laughs> uh, that might've helped, but it really didn't go too well, honestly. Uh, I think if everyone broke even, that was probably, uh, uh, probably a little generous. Um, but the thing was, so at that point I wasn't really back involved in the restaurant. I had gone in and I sort of, I've always kept involved in on some level at that point I was going in in the mornings and helping deliver donuts. I wanted to get my son's experience being in Congdon's. And at that time they were, um, I think eight and 10, so I would bring them in. They get to work with their grandfather, who's my my grandfather was still there. So so you know they had my dad was there, my grandfather was there. There was four generations working at one point um, in the building, which was pretty awesome. I um, mean, not many places can say that. 
So I would bring them in to just to do that. You know, it was a little side hustle, but it wasn't really extensive. But the next year I proposed um, taking over social media because they needed some help there. Um, and part of that was also turning Congress After Dark into something more than it was. Now, Gibby, you know my sister Jill. She's yeah. she runs the show now, um, start to finish. Um, my dad is there a lot too, but Jill's um, really the backbone of the operations at this point. Um, but at that point, she was just having uh, one of my beloved nephews. I forget which one she was pregnant with at the time, but she she missed that whole summer um, being at uh, when Condes After Dark was going. So we didn't have. Jill wasn't there to help run the food truck park. It was my sister, Katie, my aunt, uncle, and my dad. And it wasn't like, like, I think they had a good time, but it didn't always work out great. So when my it's sister, like came, huh? it's like a podcast. Now. <laughs> they, um, so basically the next year we were like, let's lean into it. Let's make a beer. Let's make a beer garden. Let's get, um, let's, we added a patio to the building. We made that our bar and then we started to do some marketing. We reached out to food trucks outside of this small group and we just happened upon Haas and Mary's who was, um, coming back from a hurricane in Florida and they had a strong following. So, um, they needed a place to go and we had a place for them. So that lined up well. And we had another one like new potato caboose. Um, she was, uh, she had just stopped operating in New Hampshire and wanted a play, steady place. So we brought her in and it all just sort of blew up all at once because we came, we created this environment where we'd have a group of food trucks, we'd have alcohol, everyone could, we had some things set up for kids. We had live music. We're like, we think this will work. Then the first night happens, we open at four o'clock and no one shows up. Like at four o'clock, we're just like, oh my gosh, did we just waste a ton of money getting this place all done up so we could get all these food trucks here and no one's going to show up. Like we'd gotten all the press out and we thought that they would actually be people there and there was nobody. And we were just staring at each other. And then at like 4.30, it just, it was incredible the amount of people. It's like they all came at once, like that scene from Field of Dreams at the end when they yeah. were coming. Yeah. It was like that. And then the whole next weekend and the weekend after that, it just kept growing and growing. And people were, news media were reaching out, trying to get more information on it. Food truck parks weren't a thing. There was a small one in Worcester, but no one really knew anything about them up here. They just knew it was a unique experience. And, um, you know, the, luckily we had some great food trucks that could keep up and the quality was strong. And it just, we really had to maneuver around and it um, try to make it all work, but it happened just to function pretty perfectly for something that was brand new. And, um, you know, dad, everyone walked around and everyone called dad a genius. And we were just, Jill and I were just sitting back and being like, what? Um <laughs> And they still call him a genius to this day. And yeah, that's what, okay. He's what, what year was that again? So you guys have been, run, you guys have been running that for how long now? So this was our, uh, I think this was our sixth year. Cool. And uh, I think it was 2000, 2017 was the first year, I think. And then 
Yeah, I think this is our sixth season. You guys are uh, pioneers then, for sure. Because I don't remember a lot of that back in like 2015, 2016. I don't remember food trucks being as big. And I definitely don't remember them being on any kind of a pad. And I think you guys, there's been, I have I think I've seen or heard there's been some people who have copied you guys or tried to anyway in the general area. So that's the highest form of flattery right there. So that means you guys are definitely doing something right. So that's it's a cool concept. We need more of them. There aren't enough of them around there. Just to let people be outside, do something with their family, listen to some music, have some food, drink. Like there's just not enough of that. So I think that's really cool that you guys have it. Yeah, it's hard to replicate. Um, yeah. And it's not anything that's, it's sort of dumb luck. It's, we don't use our parking lot at night because we're a breakfast restaurant. Yep. We're right on Route 1. So there's a ton of people there. We have facility nearby so we can have alcohol. And um, we had a general strong base to work off of. And you yep. can still get donuts at night. So that's, um, it all sort of worked in our favor. So there are a couple thoughts I have. One is, um, I remember Jillian reaching out to a food truck that I won't name um, <laughs> that declined on Facebook. It was like, Mistake. They were like, hey, you know, and they were looking for a spot. This food truck was looking for a spot. They weren't allowed where they were. And they're like, and Jillian was like, hey, we're starting a food truck park um, in Wells. And he was like, I don't know if that's my demographic. And I'm like, oh, so you don't want like, 500 people a night <laughs> money is not the demographic apparently <laughs> and, and you don't want to have people enjoy your food that um, they easily could <laughs> so i was like yeah um that that crossed that food truck in a different location off my list <laughs> it reminds you of that scene from uh pretty woman when she goes back into the store and says you work on commission right yeah, yeah. <laughs> big mistake <laughs> It just walks out. <laughs> hey, we all have choices to make. We all have choices to make. They clearly made the wrong one. Um, and um, what was my other thought? So around like just in general, like when do you guys open? When do you, you close? You mentioned already like Memorial Day open, I think, right? Memorial Day open. Yeah. Congress, then, um, the donut shop stays open year okay. round from Thursday to Sunday. Thursday to Sunday for donuts. Yeah. And then um, we'll open up gradually as the season, summer approaches okay. around or to out every day. Um, and then food truck park opens for weekends only starting Memorial day. And then we'll open daily um, usually uh, end of June. And then I do remember, I think it was the second year or whenever you opened the beer garden, um, we had a fantasy baseball draft. And you were talking about like, hey, I've got to decide what we're going to have on tap. And you're getting like main beer company, Bissell Brothers, all the hits, online, like everyone in the world. And you've got like four packs left and right of all of these great main beers. And you're like, I, I think I might be drinking a little too much beer, <laughs> <laughs> enjoying myself, taste testing. Um Highlights from that. Any any ones oh, that you like, hey, I'm sticking with these beers. These are always on our rotation. No matter that's, that's one of the parts of the job that doesn't get old. Like, so I inherited, you know, just by general interest, the job task of uh, of you know deciding which beers are there. And so, you know, all of these main breweries know we're focused on just main. So they um 
a lot of them go out of their way to try to appeal to us so that we'll include them. So we really get a pick of our pick of the litter, which, which is great. That means our quality is always good. Um, you know, what I didn't mention was one of the probably coolest parts of it that brought us out to a, um, to a community that we didn't really fully expect to appreciate as much as we did. But, um, you know, Matt and Chris from barreled souls, uh, yes. maybe, uh, yep. So they, uh, I went to high school with them. I was good friends with both of them. It wasn't even like a thing where I kind of knew them. Like we were, I slept over both their houses. Matt was on the baseball team with me. Chris played left tackle. I played right tackle. Um, and when we were starting this, I was like, Hey, do you want to make a, a beer with donuts? And they're like, sure. Why not? Um, you know, they're always trying different things. So um, we started with a honey dip blonde, which was just a blonde ale, which really isn't their specialty, but they're like, sure, we'll try it. So they made it with our donuts. And it was funny because the first time they're like, so do you think, so a first, a batch equals out to about, I think you said like 40 kegs. I'm like, do you think we can go through that? And I'm like, yeah, I think we could probably get through it for the summer. Either way, it's sort of, you know, kind of kitschy and fun. So it'd be like, it'd be worth doing, even if we have to eat in the end, like we went through that for those 40 kegs within like two and a half weeks when we opened, it was just nuts. It was what, you know, really sold it was that we each, each um, honey dip blonde gets a donut hole on the side as a garnish. Oh, so that, that sort of lent itself to a lot of good pictures. So um, they did that. And then we, then we also had them do all of our, all of our app, our apple fritter, maple bacon fritter and blueberry fritters into stouts. And, um, and those are just fantastic. They're heavy. They hit you They're 12%. Um, but they're really good. And if you like a good stout, you'll really love those ones. And honey to blondes more like a 5%er. So it's, um, we got them on both ends. Um, eventually barreled stopped doing the honey to blonde. It just wasn't, um, wasn't, it wasn't the right in their wheelhouse. So we have mass landing doing it now. Those two worked well together. So they just, um, they were awesome. Um, barreled shared the recipe mass did their own touches to it and it's just uh they do a fantastic job getting it to us and like i said i you know i love my ipas but i've been my eyes have been open to a bunch of different great beers and places like definitive and bellflower have um you know that's the cool thing about them you just people tell you about, you need to try this one. And I have a few sources that I just trust implicitly. And when they bring them to me, I'm like, Oh, absolutely. We're definitely going to get them on tap. Um, and you know, we only make taps, but we have a whole, we have like 30 different cans we have. And, um, so, you know, it was like a can art too, which is big. And, um, but you know, the nice part is there's always great options. So we try to have something for each sort of level of flavor of beer, but, um, I, you know, I still got some from this summer in the basement that I haven't gotten around to drinking. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That's so, a fun, fun job. Um, one last question for me before I get to my, my main question. Um, fun <laughs> one last one is uh, fantasy baseball. Yes. You, you've proven to be an expert. We we're talking in the green room. I've got to give you a little bit of a voice here um, to preview for our listeners what they might be getting into for our fantasy baseball preview in 2023. Um, you've been known to auction or raise raise you know an auction bid of a dollar on a player that you want the end of your roster. Um, 
you've been known to be bid up to $2 and $3 and $4 and $5. Um, what is it like about fantasy baseball that you love, that you keep getting back to, that you really want to like, that, that keeps driving you um, year after year after year? Uh, yeah. So the beauty of fantasy baseball is that it, there is enough, there's a way to win if you pay enough attention. And it's not like fantasy football um, where a lot of it's game flow and coaching and um, all injuries and stuff. Uh, Baseball is perfect. It's the perfect sport. It's one-on-one. You're the pitcher versus the batter. And with enough of the large enough sample size and enough data, you can completely figure out who to select and who over the long term will perform. Um, so the key is just finding the right data. And right now there's just more data than you could ever possibly imagine. And, yeah. uh, it's, it's just a beautiful sport and the numbers actually really the success. If you have a great league, the, um, the stats you use really reflect the quality of the team and the player and the manager. So in that case, it's a, it's for me, less of a risk. I'm pretty risk averse person. It's more of a, how much are you working and put into it? And if you do put in the work often, you'll be, be successful. Yeah. So, it's like a, it, it's a lot of signal versus noise. Like you said, I learned that too. Like when I'm building out a fantasy baseball team, I'm almost not even looking at the players names. I'm just looking at the data and the, and the stats and the metrics that I trust and the inputs that bring me to a place where I've sort of, I can achieve some upside, but I'm also down, um, downgrading the risk. So yeah, I, I agree. It's cool. Baseball is fun. You have to earn it. You have to earn a win in baseball. You definitely do not accidentally win a championship in baseball. No. And you got to, if you don't, um, if you put in, uh, enough time, you will, you can, uh, really uncover the type of player that you need to really succeed. And the, the beauty of it is you got to fill certain positions and they need yep. to actually, if you have a whole team full of home run hitters, that doesn't help you. Yep. Um, you need to actually be really thoughtful about how you structure the statistics, the players themselves and project that forward and make sure that you have a balanced team. Cause if you don't, then you won't actually win either. So there's, and there needs to be backup and there needs to be uh, a healthy knowledge of the players that are coming in behind the players, just in case there's an injury happening or an open spot. You got to know your prospects in and out um, Mm -hmm. because if you do that well, you can really um, have sustained success. And the bidding process is just really annoying. Adam's speaking to me about uh, yeah. drafting Byron Buxton from 2015 to 2016. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Jeez. You're one of those, huh? You can't help yourself. I couldn't. No. Uh, yes. No. You want, the, you want that healthy month where he hits 45 home runs but then never it's, plays again? Yeah. Yep. This was the first year I had him on a roster. I traded for him. Um, he was part of the deal I sent away. I got a bunch of players back, like Altuve and Scherzer and Buxton. And Buxton had done pretty decent. This is the first time I ever owned the guy. And because I always mocked him and, but he really fit well for what my team needed. 
Yeah. And within three days he was injured and he had an injury yep. back that season. And that's the last I'm ever going to see of Byron Buxton. Yeah. There's enough guys to pick from where eventually if, if they burn you, you just go find another guy that fits that archetype and you find him, you fit him into the roster. Like I just, I can't get burned multiple times, but then you, you do, you have to make peace with the fact that if he does have a Renaissance, that player, you, you just got to eat it. You can't have all of them. Can't yep. collect them all. So not yep. Pokemon. Um, I really say no to anybody outright, but man, <laughs> say that would be enough about like <laughs> i'll send you my six keepers and i'm thinking about you're like i like those four <laughs> not gonna tell you which two suck <laughs> oh no he will it's silent treatment it's be helpful it's very helpful um so last question for me you are you know you just finished you your dad called you at 4 a.m like adam i need you we got, we got to, it's Saturday. It's, you know, July 10th. It's going to be busy here. Um, we need someone else to, to help out, to get, you know, donuts cooking. Uh, you're leaving at like 3 PM. You probably already had lunch, but it's not quite dinner time. You're driving home. Um, and you realize like, Oh gosh, I got to get gas too. So you pop into the gas station. What are you going for? Uh, what's what's the gas station snack and the world is your oyster wow that's tough like there's so many you know what's your palate saying at the moment do you need salty do you need sweet uh i'd say the the fail safe you know nine times out of ten oh, ten times out of ten it's always good is the peanut butter snickers it is the perfect Oh, I like that. Yes. There's nothing better. They even break it up into little chunks. It's not even like one bar. It's just like little ones. You can take one and then you don't eat the rest of them. You just yeah, it off and it's good. Oh man, it's good. Makes me want one that right now. I I think I know where you're heading tomorrow. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm salivating right now. And I actually got it to the point where my sons get them when they trick or treat, they automatically bring them over to me. It's almost like, you know, you get your dad tax. Um, when they bring his peanut butter Snickers, it counts as more. So I take less. I think it's basically their thought process. Excellent. That's a um, great answer. So you're a special guest because you get two questions in one. If you could only have one of your donuts. Ooh. Um, you have to pick your favorite donut. This is almost like picking your favorite child. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, would it surprise you to to know that I never, ever eat Congdon's donuts? Ever Un- until you started that sentence, no, it would have surprised me. But the way that you introed that is that so that's just like is the smell like what is it? Is it like you've smelled it so often you just it's not appealing? Like do you not eat donuts in general now? Like where do you stand there? Oh no, I'll eat donuts. I'll eat. I'll go to other places. Like we go to the. Um, McDougal's, uh, the orchard in Sanford, Springville. Uh, and they have great little mini donuts. I like trying them from other places. Congdon's fit. It just tastes like, it's not that it tastes my childhood tastes bad. Yeah. But it, it's like a lot of work. And it, I was over those fryers for hours and hours and hours. And I know people love it. And I know the reason they love it. And I appreciate how much they love him 
and I know they're good, but to me, they just don't taste like anything special because I've had been around them forever. Yeah. I feel That's like the, the grease is just part of me. It's in, in my body. And I'm just, I don't for, for someone I'm a rather large person and I got to try to weigh what my calorie intake is. And it almost never equals out to eating something you've eaten a million times before. And, um, honestly doesn't t- taste like anything special i know it's no i think that's fair i think it's a fair person yeah. for cognans but um <laughs> it's honest we only it's have reality of it. listeners adam so you're, you're safe well, you haven't sucked that business you know i think uh i think that's a nice authentic honest answer and i think you know i can see it i can understand it it's just like anything you have too much too much of anything is a bad thing you need some variety so i think that's cool Plus, you get to spin it, you're out supporting the community. So you just cannot possibly lose here in this scenario. It's great. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> the one thing, I, probably the last one I had is a jelly donut. And I do like a good jelly donut. And ours are pretty good. Yours are excellent. So let's, let's not, I, <laughs> I knew coming into this, you're a man of humility. You're a humble guy. Like this is uh, probably the best donut I've had in New England. And the jelly um, donut. Oh no, no, no. I, I'm always a fan of the honey dip, the okay. um top classic glazed my go-to. Um yeah. and the chocolate rays too. So follow along Congdens on Facebook, especially during the Super Bowl and the playoff months. I don't know if you're running it back, but they have the uh they have the Super Bowl vote for your your you know donut. What's the name of it, Adam? The dough bowl. The dough bowl. Ooh, dough bowl. We have a tournament of different donuts. And uh, last year we had our first upset. Who won? Um, the chocolate raised beat out honey dip. That's, and, that's okay with me. Um, yeah. You can't sure. lose there. I know. It's like you're, you're two babies. It's like, yeah, it was, it was amazing. Honey dip did one for years. Um, and we almost left them out of the tournament just to make it a little different, but it felt wrong, you know, especially in a place like we live in New England and yeah. we appreciate long-term winners and we uh-huh. just sit back and just yeah. exclude someone because they're great. So we, uh, we left yeah. them in and this year they got upset. So it was, it was actually, it was pretty exciting. It it's like the 14 year old finally beats the 16 year old. Sometimes you've got to let other people taste that victory or else they won't keep coming back for the losses. That's really what it comes down to. Yep. And next year will be exciting too. That's awesome. Awesome. We'll follow along. Um, Cognitz donuts, uh, Adam pleasure. Thank you. Yep. Want you back. We want to dive into specifics with fantasy baseball. Yep. We want some sleepers in the spring um we're gonna do an hour-long pod for sure we're gonna do some best bets some baseball stuff absolutely anytime i'm a year-round player i got first year player drafts coming up uh in a couple months so oh i love it that's what i'm thinking of now um but yeah i love it it's great awesome well thank you Uh, thanks adam anytime and thank you maddie of course thank you thank everyone buddy all right Thank you.